Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. This segment brought to you by Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. Dog Talk with Dave McMahon on News Talk 610 CKTB. Hey, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Pleasure to meet you if we're meeting for the very first time. My name is Dave McMahon, and I'm the kingpin of a dog training academy called Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy in the city of Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. Welcome to my radio show called Dog Talk. Tonight, I will uh, be chatting with Gail Dickerson. She is the director of operations at Big Paws Canine Foundation. Gail trains service dogs, therapy dogs, companion dogs for disabled veterans. And she trains dogs for first commanders that were, uh, first responders rather, that were injured in the line of duty. Not first commanders, first responders that were injured in the line of duty. Please say hello to Gail Dickerson. Hey Gail, are you there? I am here. Sorry, Gail, I talked over you. Good to see you. Oh, it's great to see you too, Dave. It's been a long, long time. It's been a long time. It sure has. And I want to go back in the time capsule and talk <laughs> to the listeners about way back. So I know that you and I have... Oh, you keep freezing. Pardon? You keep freezing. Oh, okay. I keep freezing. Well, it's not cold. Let's hope everything goes well, technically. Yeah, I'll, I'll put my old lady glasses on and I'll make sure that I don't have too many things open. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Oh, I can both now. Right on. So you and I met years and years ago. You trained under me probably more than two decades ago, I would say. Oh, not probably. Definitely. Definitely more pushing, than two decades Pushing ago. three decades? Pushing pushing real hard on that third decade. So you had a dog and you came to me for obedience training. Yes. Um, my boy was, oh my goodness, he was about five and was like a typical five-year-old boy and was like, I want a dog, I want a dog. So we went to our local humane society and picked out a cute little black lab for him. And after she managed to eat an entire fitted bed sheet that was on the bed, I decided that perhaps we should um, look towards getting some training. Yeah. So I, uh, I started with your novice. Yeah, you started with the novice obedience training. Yeah. And then we proceeded from there teaching other aspects of training as well with you. Absolutely. And I became so enthralled, um, first of all, with what I was learning and how it was making my life much easier not having a dog consuming my furniture um, and being able to pass that education on to my son to teach him good animal husbandry. Um, I was also completely enthralled with you as an instructor because you made everything fun and engaging and um, quite honestly, I, I attribute the majority of where I am today to you personally. Thank you. Okay, I appreciate those <laughs> It's enough of me being nice. I'll go back to being the regular me soon. <laughs> so the dog that you had then when you came uh -huh. to your training a couple of decades ago, let's talk about that. Sure. She was a little black lab named Cleo and uh, she was just a little pistol. And uh, we went sailing through beginner, intermediate, advanced. We did the off lead. Um, and then throughout that, that kind of sparked my passion for dogs, period. And I started adding more dogs to my household because, you know, like Lay's potato chips can't have just one. That's right. Um, and so I started getting into doing some fostering and some rescuing and that sort of thing. And uh, every opportunity that I had to further my education through what you were or 
uh, offering through your academy, I, I was all over it like a dirty shirt. Um, you did search and rescue seminars and I was in there and I would take the dogs through it and you would just laugh at me and say, you know that these dogs are never gonna be anything other than um, a mat in front of your fireplace. Like, <laughs> these dogs will never be working dogs. Like they have too soft a life with you. Never, ever, ever working dogs. And I, you know what? I didn't care. I just, I wanted to soak up as much education as I could. So, um, and then the personal protection work back in the days when you had Simba and uh, then what else did we, oh, agility. So at that time you had a place in St. Catherine's as well. Yes. So I would I, I bought the membership and I just showed up at every opportunity that I could to learn something new. So many years ago. Yes. You know, you bring up Simba, my Belgian Melanois. You know, he you know, I think about him all the time. And I think one day I'll get another Belgian Melanois. Honest to God, I'm gonna get another Melanois one day. You know, I think everybody has a heart dog like that where, um, you know, where there'll never be another one exactly like that one. But what kind of makes us lean towards a specific breed or a specific uh, characteristic that we fell in love with, with that, that heart dog? Yeah, we all have that one that really, really leaves their, their footprint in our heart. Absolutely. I mean, of yeah, course, they all to talk about on today's program. Sure. We're going to talk about service dogs. You're going to talk about therapy dogs. Going to talk about uh, training dogs for disabled uh, veterans and first responders. Lots of stuff to talk about. We're going to take a short break. We're going to hear some messages from our sponsors. We'll come back with more dog talk. I'm Dave McMahon, and I'll be in conversation with Gail Dickerson. She is the director of operations at Big Paws Canine Foundation. So stick around. Is your pet in pain, having mobility problems, paralyzed, or recovering from spinal or orthopedic surgery? The Niagara Canine Conditioning Center is allowed to remain open to provide physiotherapy and rehabilitation for your pet. For you and your pet's safety, the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center has all the necessary COVID-19 precautions in place, along with stringent cleaning protocols. Call the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center at 289-362-5900 or email info at canineconditioningcenter.ca. Pet Food Outlet is kicking off the new year with incredible savings. The prices are so low, the competition is howling. Find your dog's winter gear with their huge selection of sweaters, coats, and boots, and dog coat sizing to fit any dog, guaranteed. It's also the place for pet-friendly ice melt, warm beds, reflective collars, and more. Everyone at Pet Food Outlet wants you to stay safe and healthy with sufficient stock to meet your needs. 824 Ontario Road in Welland, 905-735-PETS. How much money are you saving staying at home? No commute, no daycare, the vacation you're not going on how about the money you save staying at home you spend on your home how about you take this unprecedented opportunity to finally finish the basement call now and get five thousand dollars off your new basement why do so many local pet parents entrust their cherished companions to Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital in Niagara Falls and Maine West Animal Hospital in Welland year after year? Simple. It's the way they treat their patients and the people who love them with dignity, respect, and the utmost compassion. Both vet clinics help make pet care affordable and offer financing to qualifying clients. We're still open, offering curbside pickup and routine visits. Maine West Animal Hospital at mainwestvet.com, Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital at niagarafallsanimalhospital.com. This segment brought to you by Maine West Animal Hospital. Now, more Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTV. 
You miss me? Welcome back to Dog Talk, everyone. I'm Dave McMahon, and I'm here with Gail Dickerson. She's the Director of Operations at the Big Paws Canine Foundation. As I've mentioned previously, Gail trains service dogs, therapy dogs, companion dogs for the disabled veterans, and first responders that have been injured in the line of duty. Uh, yeah, and we were just talking about the past. Gail came to me for some dog training for her personal dog, uh, close to probably three decades ago, I would say maybe 25 years ago. And your interest in dogs and your passion in dogs has just grown and grown and grown. Yes, sir. And when did you decide to get the hell out of Canada and move to the United States? <laughs> <laughs> when did that happen? Take us it through was, that. Okay, so um, I have always had uh, uh, an abiding respect for military personnel and I was gathering items about 10 years ago. I mean, obviously the Iraq Afghanistan thing was still going. And um, I would put packets together and ship them overseas to our uh, soldiers. And they would send back some thank you notes. And there was one soldier and uh, whoever this Canadian soldier is, God bless them, um, because he sent me a note and said, you know, our Canadian government kind of takes pretty good care of us, but I was just on an American base and the U.S. base soldiers really don't have much of anything, not the same way that we are cared for by our government. And if I give you a name and an address, can you send some care packages there? So I did and uh, the ensuing correspondence from the American soldier that I sent the stuff in care of, I, over a period of time, became pen pal pals with, and then we met, and the next step was getting my butt to the U.S. and getting married. And that you did. I did. I did. So how this all kind of ties in with the service dog aspect was um, I had a beautiful Rottweiler that I had been working with personally, because it was my own dog. And when I took her um, down here to the US, she and my husband got on very well. And I had to, in order to fulfill immigration obligations, I had to go back to Canada. I did not wish to take my dog back and forth and back and forth across the border because I didn't know how many times or how long this was gonna carry on. So I left her here with him. And the ways that she had helped him while I was gone um, were just mind boggling. And there were times when he admitted to me that if, it, if not for that dog, he probably would have committed suicide. So- She saved his life. Yes. Yeah, she absolutely did. So with that, you know, sitting in the back of my head, unfortunately she ended up with cancer and she passed away. And when my husband and I were out somewhere, we got a contact from the commander of the local VFW. And he said, look, this guy's in town with some service dog stuff. I thought about you and your dog Jada, and I know that you lost her. Can you come in and meet this guy? So this guy turned out to be Steve Slavic, who is the founder of Big Paws Canine. And he was visiting South Dakota from his base in California. And my husband was chosen as the first recipient of a Big Paws service dog in the Midwest because he was looking to expand. Um, and then he came to our house to help doing some settling in with the new service dog. And when he saw me handling the dogs that I had here, plus um, the whole nutrition aspect of things because I was uh, doing raw diet. And um, then he watched me, <laughs> like uh, my stepson had a dog that was here. So, I mean, my, my house was dog central. And he, um, he meaning Steve Slavic, our, our founder, he was going to look at a couple of puppies from uh, a litter that may have ended up in a shelter 
So we went and looked and he picked out three and there was one that was like the raggiest little most pathetic little labby looking thing. And he handed it to me and he said, there you go, Dickerson, impress me. Do something with this dog. And that was literally how I started with Big Paws. And uh, that dog is, um, he was my very first foster. And to this day, he, he chokes me up when I think about him um, because we had taught the dog how to alert when I'm sure you know that uh, you're familiar with sleep apnea. Yes. And there are the CPAP masks that go all the way around. There's a, there's a, a seal that goes around. And uh, so it keeps people from stopping the breathing during the night. And if that seal is broken and the mask is dislodged, especially with somebody who's coping with post-traumatic stress and may have some uh, disruptive sleep and the night terrors and, and nightmares and that sort of thing, they thrash about. And quite frequently, that mask can get dislodged. So we trained this little guy to alert to the sound of the air because obviously it sounds completely different when it's escaping from the mask versus when the seal is intact. So um, one night the veteran was in bed and the dog's name's Tracer. And so Tracer jumped up on his bed and was alerting him. And the gentleman kept pushing the dog away saying, ah, it's fine. I got it. I got it. And finally, the dog got so frustrated with the guy, he jumped off the bed, opened the bedroom door, went down the hall, opened the wife's bedroom door, jumped up, got the wife out of bed and pulled her into the room. The man was having a stroke. Holy shit. Jesus. Yes. And so uh, thankfully, because Tracer woke him up, he's still with us today. Um, and you know, unfortunately he lived pretty far away from major city. So it was an hour plus ambulance ride to get him into Sioux Falls where he needed to be for treatment. So if not for that little dog, I, I, I shudder to think that what may have happened. So that, that pretty much cemented me as far as my, my dedication to what I do. I love the name Tracer. Well, he um, actually, let's see if I can get Artie. There's I've never met a dog named Tracer. I think that's really cool, especially oh, for like a named him after a Tracer Bullets. Okay. That's, and his litter mate is Artie. Here. Here. Yes. I don't know if you can see that the face or not. Right oh, there. There's the cute face. Yeah, he's he's getting up there in age. That's my husband's service dog, Artie. And Artie is short for Artillery Thunder. Very nice. Yeah, we try our best to incorporate something uh, military connected in the names. So, yeah, Tracer is named after Tracer Bullets and uh, Artillery Thunder over there. Makes makes total sense. Yeah. So, you're a big time dog lover. There's no doubt about it. But uh, you're also in cool. love with training. Much like myself, yes. you love dogs. Yes. But you fell in love with dog training and that's your passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love watching the light bulb moment for a dog. And I love watching the light bulb moment for the human when it all becomes clear and then watching that success. And, um, taking something that I have learned and putting it into a real life so that it, you know, it's, it's great that I, I study and I watch and I read the books and I, I go to every seminar I can, but when I can take that information, I learned and translate it into something that I can see happen in front of me that, I mean, I, I get goosebumps still just thinking about it. Gail, once upon a time, the University of Guelph had an organization called um, uh, PABA, PABA, Professional Animal Behavior Associates. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they would bring in Dr. Ian Dunbar to give seminars to trainers, to behaviorists. I had the pleasure of going to a few of Dr. Ian Dunbar's behavior seminars and conferences at the Ontario Veterinary College 
uh, back in the 1990s. And I know that you uh, studied uh, under Dr. Ian Dunbar, amongst yes. many others as well. Yes, yes. Dr. Dunbar is absolutely amazing. He He's totally who turned me on to the science aspect of um, like dog, dog training and, and behavior. Yeah. I mean, he's Dunbar is phenomenal. I mean, he's still going strong today. Yes. Yeah, I just went to the winter conference. Um, it was it was all virtual because of, of course, COVID. Um, but I went to his um, winter. Con he was he he was the opening speaker of the the winter conference of uh, professional dog trainers. I mean, he's a doctor. He's a DVM, Doctor of Veterinary of Medicine. He has an extensive animal behavior background. I believe his program was once called, if it's not still called, the Serious Method of Puppy Training. Yes. Named after the dog star. Yeah. He has an excellent sense of humor. He's a master facilitator. He kept my attention every time I went and listened to his lectures. Oh, yeah. And he's so tremendously engaging. And, you know, I, I think the nice thing, too, about Dr. Dunbar is he keeps things real. You know, it, it's he's not throwing out a whole lot of um, scientific names, you know, and yeah, yeah, he keeps it like layman. You know, he keeps absolutely. it easy to understand if you were just kind of starting in dog training. Mm -hmm. it's good. I love his puppy stuff, all his puppy imprinting and things you should do with a pup. I think it's awesome. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, I actually have a booklet that I have produced for all of my students that come through and I call it the hand feeding challenge. And what I did was I, I went very shamelessly through Dr. Dunbar's ideas and I started peeling them apart and I put it together um, like a three week challenge for new dog owners and whether they were dogs or, or puppies. And um, I would put little exercises to go along with the hand feeding aspect of it. And um, I, was, I was trying my best to overcome that people would use the excuse that they don't have time to train. And I mean, it, I'll go back almost 30 years and say, you know, if you spend 10 minutes a day training your dog, you're going to have a brand new dog every week. And you know, you're exactly right with that. And so when people would tell me they didn't have time, I would say, well, you have to feed your dog, right? Well, let's make the dog do this, this, and this in order to earn its dinner. Now you got your training in for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Learn to earn. Yes. Love it. Love it. Um, can you give us a bit of a overview of what the organization does as far as what they offer when it comes to therapy dog, service dog, training dogs for people that have post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, what are, give us a little bit of a, a description of what the organization does. Okay, so um, the branch of the organization that I run in the Midwest, we, we have a great branch of Therapy Dogs International in our neighborhood, so I, I, back off to them and I let I allow them to do the whole therapy dog aspect of things um, because in the state of South Dakota I'm dealing with 72,000 veterans that are here in the state wow. um, yeah so the need is far greater for me to ensure that we have as many service dogs and companion dogs to help these veterans as possible so I'll be honest TDI is absolutely fabulous with what they do I I'll say, you go ahead and do you, and, and I'll handle the service dog aspect of things. So, I mean, our other locations do train therapy, um, but not I, said the little red hen. Um, therapy Dog oh, International has been around for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and their standards are so high that I feel completely comfortable sending people their way. Um, now, when it comes to service dogs, in the United States, the definition of a service dog is a dog that is individually trained to do work or perform a task to assist a person with a disability in their daily life. 
Okay, and that's that's really crucial that we get that education out there because when you start pulling that apart, the first thing is um, that it is individually trained, meaning that the dog is trained to the individual's needs. Specifically to the individual's requirements. Exactly, because you know, I've got I've got the greatest little boxer that I, I do a lot of uh, my sample training on her first before I bring it to, to classes and stuff. Now, that dog can go pick up a dime and bring it to me and spit it into my hand from the floor, Yeah, which is fabulous. However, I don't have a disability that requires that as a service. So someone who has really like debilitating arthritis or someone who has um, lost limbs and can't pick up a dime from the floor, that would be a service dog for them because that task mitigates their disability. So that's, that's yeah. something that's really important for people to understand that the service dog is trained to help the individual with something specific, not just a generalized thing that the dog can do. The other thing is that do work or perform a task. So the key to that explanation is that that has to be something that's trained. For people who say, well, my dog makes me feel better. And that, that's where we run into the, the issues with the emotional support animals, companion dogs, service dogs, and all that other stuff. Any dog will make you feel better just by its mere presence. There have been medical studies over and over and over again that the, the facts are there. A dog or any animal for that matter will lower your blood pressure. It will slow your respirations. It will calm anybody down just by them being there. So that is not an answer for what task or work the dog is trained to do. So you have to always look at it from that perspective. Whatever the dog does to assist a person has to be something that has been trained. Yeah. So it's fair to say that the Big Paws Canine Foundation does not train emotional support dogs. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do, which is another division. Well, no, I mean, I do that at my at my facility as well, because we train owners' dogs. If an owner already has a dog, I allow them to come and go through the training. Okay. So um, if it turns out, and, and you know, a good portion, a good portion of service dog prospects wash out because it's a very, very, very demanding job. It's not one of those things that you can just wake up one day and say, oh, okay, Fido, you're gonna be my service dog, and they are. I mean, the, having to take these dogs into public places, having the dogs in high stress environments, and the tasks that the dogs are trained to do, that puts a lot of responsibility on that dog, and there are some dogs that just, and that more often than not, the dogs are not able to do it. Um, so I don't ever want anyone to think that just because their dog doesn't fit the criteria of a service dog, that it's any less of a dog. Good point. Everybody who, everybody who has a dog believes they have the best dog in the world. And you know what? They're right. We have a problem with fake service dogs in Canada, as you know. I'm sure there's a lot of fake service dogs in the United States as well. Can we chat about it just a little bit? We'll try and keep things on a positive high note, but can we? Can you touch on fake service dogs right after we come back from our break? Absolutely. Thanks, Gail. Gail Dickerson is with me. So stick around. I'm Dave McMahon. We're coming back with more dog talk right after this. If your dog could talk, 
they'd be telling you all about the incredible deals happening right now at Pet Food Outlet. They'd say something like, the food prices are so low, the competition is howling. Your dog would also mention the selection of sweaters, coats, and boots. The pet-friendly ice melt, warm beds, and reflective collars. Everyone at Pet Food Outlet wants you to stay safe and healthy. But if you do need pet food, Pet Food Outlet has sufficient stock to meet your needs. 824 Ontario Road in Welland, 905-735-PETS. Ted Radio Hour with Guy Raz. Saturdays at noon and Sunday nights at 7. Each week, a new theme and more fascinating people. What is your motive for action? I love taking on the status quo and trying to turn it upside down. My whole childhood, I was called bossy. Ted Radio Hour. Saturdays at noon and Sunday night at 7. We're not ready for the next epidemic. The scariest thing I've done is ride a rocket ship to space. News Talk 610 CKTV. The Voice of Niagara. Vehicle repair can be a pain in the wallet. Get the parts you need for less at Rectangle Auto Supply, offering a huge selection of used parts at a fraction of the cost of new. They even have a full-service department to install them. Do-it-yourselfers know, now you do too. Rectangle Auto Supply, for parts and service. Hi, I'm Marcel, manager at Rectangle Auto Supply, your trusted source for repairs, used parts, metal recycling, and car sales. We're your one-stop shop for all your automotive needs. Visit us today, Cushman Road at Welland Avenue, or online at rectangleautosupply.com. Being a doctor takes work. Being a mentor. You are not very good at your jobs, and I'm not very good at teaching you. Take some learning. Get into a new episode of The Good Doctor, tonight at 10, only on CTV. Then stream anytime. Is your pet in pain, having mobility problems, paralyzed, or recovering from spinal or orthopedic surgery? The Niagara Canine Conditioning Center is allowed to remain open to provide physiotherapy and rehabilitation for your pet. For you and your pet's safety, the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center has all the necessary COVID-19 precautions in place, along with stringent cleaning protocols. Call the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center at 289-362-5900 or email info at canineconditioningcenter.ca. This segment brought to you by Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. Now, more dog talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome back to the show. I'm with Gail Dickerson. She's a professional dog trainer, and she came to me to train her own dog almost 30 years ago. Since then, her passion and her interest in dogs has grown so big, and now Gail resides in the U.S., and she is continuing her passion and interest with dogs and training service dogs, training uh, in so many different uh, fields of training. I want to say, Gail, I love the website for the Big Paws Canine Foundation. I love that website. I'll be sure to pass that on to our uh, our uh, board because they always like to have positive feedback. Um, Fake service dogs. we got a problem with that in Canada. I'm sure you've got the problem in the U.S., yeah. Um, you know, you can take a picture of your dog and go online to a certain website, and upload the picture and answer a few questions. Boom. Presto. In the mail comes your service dog ID card with the quality, uh, the physical quality of like a driver's license or credit card, plastic card. Uh, and, you know, it says your dog's a service dog just like that. Right. And then that paired with maybe a letter from the, the doctor and off you go. Instant service dog, add water and stir. <laughs> Big problem in Canada, fake service dogs. Same here, Dave. Um, pet in a vest. That's I, because uh, I, I don't trust my temper to not get the better of me. So if I give it a cute name like a pet in a vest, then I, then I tend to not lose my cool. <laughs> Is um, that you say pet in a vest? Yeah, it's a pet in a vest. People um, make their own vest. They, make, they get the embroidery done. Yep. You know, they just go do their own thing. Mm -hmm. It's very loosey-goosey. Um, it is very loosey-goosey, the regulations here in Canada for uh, emotional support dogs especially. Now, see, there, there are things in the United States that are very cut and dried. Um, the only dogs who have 
public access are service dogs, period. ESAs do not. Um, the Air Carrier Act speaks to that. Um, and now the Air Carrier Act in the United States has just changed so that no more emotional support animals are coming into play because, and here's, here's the key, it's not because anybody wants to be mean. It's not because we don't believe that these animals don't help you, because we do. Everybody knows that if you are an animal person, an animal will help you. Where we run into an issue is when you have an animal that spends two years training intensely in order to handle these high pressure situations like being on an airplane, like handling the pressure in the cabin, like handling turbulence, like being able to hold their urine and feces for the entire time from the time you walk into an airport until you deplane and walk out of the, the other airport. The unfortunate thing is ESAs do not require any specific training. That's why we have this issue. Now, I just want to integrate uh, the ESA, meaning the emotional support animals. Yes. For those that didn't know. Yes, I'm sorry. That's okay. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> too, too much time around these military folk. They, they turn everything into an acronym. <laughs> well, the thing is, our, we have a mixed audience. Like we've got yes. first time dog owners listening. We've got, I've got people that listen to my show that don't even own a dog, but they find the show interesting. And then we've got dog breeders, uh, competitors, uh, you know, professionals like yourself. So it's sometimes it's always good to just let people know. Yes. And I'll try and be a little bit more. Hey, Gail, Gail, you're doing an awesome job, and I'm very happy you're here with us. Thanks. Anytime, Dave. I was so excited when you asked me to do this. I was like a little kid running around going, I get to see Dave again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What's the application process for applying for a service dog through your organization? Okay, so to apply to us, you would go to the website that you see across the bottom of the screen there, www.bigpawscanine.com, and you fill out an application. Um, how the process goes, now keeping in mind that this is an entirely volunteer organization. So, um, and then with COVID being an issue, we have to ask people's patience. Um, I know that there are several organizations out there that currently have a three to five year waiting list for service dogs. Crazy. Um, yeah. But what happens is you go on our website, all the details that you need information wise should be on our website. Um, so then you fill out the application that is right there and you will get an automatic email response saying that, yes, we got it. When I get the applications coming to me. Um, I go through them and uh, one of my gals in the office will then follow up with a call and ask the person to come in for a personal interview, at which time I go through a series of questions and information exchange and I take notes and then we have a membership committee. So then I bring all the information so it's not just one person making a decision. So if you come through the door and, and for whatever reason, I'm having a bad day and, and I don't like the shoes you're wearing, you don't have to worry about that having any effect on the decision because there is a committee who decides who is a good candidate for a service dog. And unfortunately, the other thing that people don't understand is just because someone is facing uh, a disability or is coping with a disability does not necessarily mean that they would be an ideal candidate for a service dog. There's good an point. awful lot of factors that have to come into play. That's a good point. Um, there's, there's a lot. And the other thing too, is I don't think people realize how much work it is to have a service dog. It, it's not easy. These dogs have to be clean and well-groomed. If your dog smells like a dog, you can't take it out in public because people in public, the people who own the shops and, and places that you're going, they have every right to say that dog is not clean. You need to leave. So although people um, 
it's not the dog that has the right to be in public. It's the human who has the right to have their medical equipment with them to give them an even playing field. That's the whole point of it. So keep in mind that it's not the dog that has the right to be anywhere. It's the human that has the right to have medical equipment to make their life easier. And, and the dogs are classified as medical equipment, not to sound cold and calloused, but I think you had mentioned that when we were off air. Yes, yes, they are. They are considered medical equipment because if not for that dog, the person would need care from another perspective, whether right. it be a, a medical professional or some form of medical device. Yeah. Now, how much money are we looking at? Can you talk, what would be the fees for an individual to acquire a special service dog? Well, I'll tell you what, Dave, it's a good thing you're sitting down because I'm going to do the old salesman trick. With all of the training that goes into these dogs, they can be valued, depending on what the dog is required to do, these dogs can be valued at anywhere between fifty dollars and $55,000. However, because we firmly believe that our veterans and first responders have paid enough, we charge $12 a year for a membership fee. That's it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. I, I'm pretty proud of this organization. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm very, very proud. That's excellent. Gail, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back and continue our conversation with Gail Dickerson. So you guys stay right there where you are. I'm Dave McMahon. We'll be back with more dog talk right after this. Is your pet in pain, having mobility problems, paralyzed, or recovering from spinal or orthopedic surgery? The Niagara Canine Conditioning Center is allowed to remain open to provide physiotherapy and rehabilitation for your pet. For you and your pet's safety, the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center has all the necessary COVID-19 precautions in place, along with stringent cleaning protocols. Call the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center at 289-362-5900 or email info at canineconditioningcenter.ca. Pet Food Outlet is kicking off the new year with incredible savings. The prices are so low, the competition is howling. Find your dog's winter gear with their huge selection of sweaters, coats, and boots, and dog coat sizing to fit any dog, guaranteed. It's also the place for pet-friendly ice melt, warm beds, reflective collars, and more. Everyone at Pet Food Outlet wants you to stay safe and healthy with sufficient stock to meet your needs. 824 Ontario Road in Welland, 905-735-PETS. They're the crew that has each other's backs. No one, and I mean no one, is left behind. In and out of the firehouse. Rob Lowe returns in 911 Lone Star. Get into the new season tonight at 9, only on CTV. Then stream anytime. Why do so many local pet parents entrust their cherished companions to Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital in Niagara Falls and Maine West Animal Hospital in Welland year after year? Simple. It's the way they treat their patients and the people who love them with dignity, respect, and the utmost compassion. Both vet clinics help make pet care affordable and offer financing to qualifying clients. We're still open, offering curbside pickup and routine visits. Maine West Animal Hospital at MainWestVet.com, Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital at NiagaraFallsAnimalHospital.com. This segment brought to you by Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital. Now, more Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome back, everyone. I would like to thank the sponsors of Dog Talk, Pet Food Outlet, the Maine West Animal Hospital, the Heartland Niagara Veterinary Animal Hospital, and the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center for making the Dog Talk radio show possible. Thank you very much to our sponsors. I also want to thank my awesome, incredible yeah. producer, Mr. Greg Campagna. Thanks, Greg, for taking good care of us always. I really appreciate it. Gail Dickerson is here. We're talking about service dogs. Gail, when does the training begin for a puppy? You know, um, 
that's funny that you would ask that. I believe that puppies should start their training as soon as their paws hit the ground. Yeah. I mean, right, right out of the chute. But a lot, again, of that, a lot of good imprinting going on. Exactly. That goes back to that whole like love of Dr. Ian Dunbar that we share. Um, but that goes across the board. I mean, whether it's a household pet or a dog that's going to be a military working dog or a service dog, or regardless, I believe that puppies should start their training as soon as their paws hit the ground. However, training for service dogs can start at any time, any time. Um, that is especially true in the situation that Big Paws has because we don't have a breeding program. There are a select few breeders that we work with. There are rescues that we work with. Um, huge shout out to Sioux Empire Pit Rescue because we do not have any breed restrictions. And um, this is a rescue that puts any of the new dogs coming into their program through a 10 week course before they're able to be placed. So um, we've, we've worked with closely with them and a few other rescues, but I've, I've trained dogs coming into the program as old as nine years old. Yeah. Um, because if that's what gets the person to the next day, that's all that matters. You know, like when we're losing 22 veterans a day, that's one every 65 minutes. So either an active duty personnel or a veteran has committed suicide in the time that we've been seeking. Is it, does that not just rock you to your core? So if somebody has a really great connection with a nine-year-old dog or a 10-year-old dog, and we can offer them some training to help them make their life easier, then I don't put restrictions on age or breed or sex or anything. I, I want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to train their dog to help them. If Even if they don't make it as a service dog, it's okay. Because like I said, if you believe your dog is the best dog in the entire world, you're right. Mm -hmm. So if I had my druthers, I mean, and I could start training puppies at, you know, zero dark 30, it would be um, 10 weeks because I, I, I like the idea of puppies staying in the litter until that eight to 10 week range. Um, you know, obviously you've gotta be very cautious until they have all their shots. So you're looking at 16 weeks before they can be out in the garden and things like that. Um, but then if you can get some foundational training before that uh, fear, you know, that five to seven month, I'm afraid thing kicks in um, if you can get some good foundational training in before that first fear phase hits, that's an excellent thing and it will help you work your way through it. Um, then, of course, you've got the, the teenage years and the sexual maturity and all of those other challenges to go through. So it depends on how committed the individual is. Um, I, I've found great, great, great success with starting dogs at about 18 months in their training because then we kind of got through all of the mess up until that point. Um, the unfortunate thing is sometimes a dog that's 18 months old has already had all of the, the wrong things exposure wise up until that point And they wash out very quickly. Gail, we haven't spoke about training callers <laughs> and <laughs> you chuckle, but I mean, I'm open-minded when it comes to mm -hmm. training callers, and, and I don't believe that there's one caller that works on every dog, and I think it depends on the dog, the owner, uh, the owner's objective of what it is that they want to accomplish with the dog, depends on the dog's personality, uh, the temperament of the dog, depends on the intention, what is it that we want to do with the dog, you know, as I said. Um, Absolutely. Talk about callers. Okay, so going back 
to the days when you were the first one to show me a prong collar and I thought it was some kind of a med medieval torture device. <laughs> and the first time you, you remember, I don't know if you'd remember or not, but the crazy shepherd chow with the blue tongue that I had. Thousands so, of dogs. I know, thousands of dogs later, but you know, anyway, so that was the first dog. You showed me that prong collar and I, I near lost my mind. And I thought I was going to start crying in the whole shoot and match. Um, but what you opened my eyes to was being open-minded enough to investigate. So personally, I don't like choke collars because there's a single point of contact. So the chances of damage being done are exponentially elevated versus, say, the prong collar. You're talking old school choke chains. Yes, yeah. Yes. And it, and it's so easy if somebody puts it on upside down that yeah. it doesn't loosen up again. Yeah. So that one, because there are so many ways it can go wrong. I, I don't. Um, now, when it comes to, when it comes to big cause canine, we use flat collars or we use chest harnesses where the, the clasp is in the front. And um, the reason why and, and there is there is a specific reason why because um, with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury, unfortunately, we also have people who often have some anger issues and not that they would ever purposefully do anything to harm their dog, but because their anger escalates so incredibly quickly. I mean, there is no build. They're fine and then they're not. Zero to and, Exactly. And that, unfortunately, is the nature of, of post-traumatic stress occasionally. So what can happen, I mean, if I'm giving somebody the knowledge to have a dog save their life, I cannot also give them the knowledge of a way to harm their animal because that would devastate. So you have to be careful what collar you put in their hands. Exactly. Gail, but, we're out of time. I've got to oh, let you know. That's what happens with terrestrial radio. Gail, yeah. thank you. It was awesome having you. Keep up the amazing work you're doing with the dogs. I want you to come back on the show again in the future. Absolutely. You just let me know. And Dave, I will be here. Thanks, Gail. Gail Dickerson, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good night, Gail. You too, Dave. So many ways to listen to Dog Talk. You can check us out on Spotify. Dog Talk with Dave McMahon on Spotify. Or go to 610cktb.com, 610cktb.com. All the shows are podcasted and they're on the 610CKTB website. Thanks for joining me. Have an awesome night. We'll talk to you next week. See you later. Bye. Generations caught in a struggle about a righteous way. Can't see the forest for all the frustration.